Well, let me offer my good morning. I'm so glad you guys are here. Obviously, we're starting a new series today, Cure for the Common Life. And I've been very excited about this. It's going to be our summer series. And we're going to have fun. I promise you that. Uh, if you've got your Bible today, you might want to open up to the book of Ephesians. And I'm going to be actually in three or four different passages in Ephesians today. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we've got them on the wall. You feel free to borrow one if you need one any given Sunday. If you don't have a Bible at home, just take that Bible as our gift to you. We'd love you to have the Word at home. Cure for the common life. Some of you, I, I've been doing this long enough to know that the minute you hear that title, you think, well, who are you to say I have a common life? And what can you tell me about a cure? Well, anyhow, what do you know? And, and sometimes we get a little defensive with series like this, with messages where uh, a guy like me is going to challenge you to, to live beyond the ordinary, to live an extraordinary life. I, I'm going to get passionate about this. I believe this is an important issue for us. Uh, I am passionate about this topic. But I want you to know that though I make him across as challenging, I am in the same company with you. Many of us, we uh, get comfortable with our nice little lives and our nice little world surrounded by our nice little group of friends and our nice little or not so little church. And we're fine with life the way it is. And we just kind of put life on cruise control. And some of us would be hard-pressed to remember the last time we actually took a major risk, the last time we did anything remotely resembling uh, taking a chance. Um, most of you know, I've written about it or talked about it, that back three years ago, almost to the day now, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And uh, thank God, you know, I'm, I just had my doctor visit this last week, and I'm .02 on my PSA, so that's good. I'm cancer-free, three years, so I, thank you. But when I got the diagnosis, and some of you have had, you know, horrible things diagnosed, and you've had cancer, and you know what that can do with your mind. Now, I wish I could tell you I'm this incredible man of faith, and I never had a moment of doubt, a moment of concern. But the honest truth is, for about 48 hours, I was freaking out. I'm thinking, wow, what does this mean, and what's this going to do? And the docs, you know, they don't know a lot. It's one of those things where they can't really tell you until they get inside there. Isn't that a comforting thought? We can't tell you more until we open you up. You're going to do what? You know, we got to get in there. And then, so they're not sure if it's metastasized and where it's at. And so I'm trying to go to sleep the very first night after I got the diagnosis. And I couldn't go to sleep. And I'm tossing and turning and tossing and turning and fretting and worrying. And I thought, well, whatever. I might as well just get up and pray. I can't, I can't go to sleep. I might as well at least invest some time in prayer. Got up. It's now probably, I don't know, 10, 30 or so. And I went into the living room and spent some time uh, with the Father. And I prayed. I said, God, you know all things. You know me. You know this body. If this is my time, then, you know, I, I hope I'm ready to go. And I'm only 54, Lord. I'm, you know, he had you bargain with God a little bit. And, but I'm thinking, Lord, you know, and finally I came to this point where I started to feel some peace. And it happened when the Holy Spirit spoke this to my heart. Now, I did not hear an audible voice. Don't worry, I'm not that guy. But I did clearly hear the Holy Spirit say to me, when I'm just kind of fretting about all this stuff, what am I going to do? He said, Kurt, you ain't dead yet. Now, the yet was a little bit concerning. I'm just like, what does yet mean? I know no, that the point was, you're not dead yet. I've still got plenty of things for you to do. And whether you've got a day left, a month left, a year left, or 50 years left, probably not, uh, God wanted me just to live on purpose. I'm going to go out on a limb today. And I'm going to suggest that God never intended for life to be boring, common, or routine. Never. Of course, some routines are beneficial. I hope that most of you brushed your teeth this morning. So there are some things that we do every day 
that are good, that are healthy for us. I'm not saying that all routine is evil. But I am postulating that life in Christ is meant to be epic. Life in Christ, following Jesus, is meant to be an epic adventure. God never designed life to be boring. He never intended for his kids to experience a meaningless or insignificant experience stuck in a rut somewhere. That's never been his intent. Jesus said this in John 10, 10. You don't have to turn there, but many of you have heard the passage. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and might have it what? Yeah, abundantly. Life to the full. Life to the max. Jesus said, here's why I came. I came to give people life and an epic life. And here's the basis for my reasoning. Besides the fact that Jesus said that, if you look at the Bible, you look at God, you see God is epic. God's huge. He's creative. He's powerful. God is beyond our wildest imagination. And so if we're to follow him, if we're to be followers of God, of his way, then I think it makes sense to say we're following a powerful, creative, amazing, epic God who wants us to live that kind of life. In uh, Paul's letter to the church of Ephesians, I mentioned that. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 3. He prays this wonderful and this powerful prayer for the church in Ephesus, but it's a prayer that could be extended to all of us as well. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3. Let's pick it up in verse 16. Paul says, I pray that from his, God, his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. We just sang a song about come Holy Spirit, come and have your way in us. And this is his prayer. I pray that you'll be empowered with this inner strength that comes through the spirit of God. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Want to be strong? Experience the love of God. Know the love of God. Verse 18. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to, fully, to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So Paul's praying for these people. Man, I want you to know the love of God. Because when you get that, it empowers you. It changes you. It does something deep and profound in you. And then he said this in verse 20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power. He uses that word a couple of times in this passage. And I've explained this word before in the original language of the Bible. It's the word dunamis, which we get our word dynamite from. It's a, it's a strong word. May God, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. God's mighty power at work within you to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Paul describes this glorious and unlimited God who is able to do infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. Now, how many of you have a really good imagination? Yeah, so do I. I can, when I read stuff like this, that God is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think more than I can imagine, I think, wow, that must be a lot because I've got a pretty vivid imagination. Then he prays that they will know the love of God and I love this phrase, so that they will be made complete with all the fullness of life. It's verse uh, 19. That they may be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. All the fullness of life and power. Does that sound boring, common, or routine to you? All the fullness of life and power. That's what God wants for you and me. Years ago, I had a friend named Gary. And... Um, 
I really didn't talk to him at all about my faith in Christ. Uh, I was kind of, at that time, a little shy, embarrassed, and didn't feel like I had a rite of passage in his life. But he was one of my good friends. And Gary told me once, he said, you know, I can never be a Christian. I can do this never because I want to enjoy life. I want to have fun. I want to live the adventure. And that's translated, knowing Gary, that meant I want to party. So Gary's saying, there's no way I can, I can, just, I don't want to be a boring Christian. In fact, he inferred that maybe when I'm old and like a day away from dying and I'm too old to have fun anymore, then maybe I'll, I'll give my life to Christ. Well, tragically, just months after Gary and I had that conversation, I remember, I remember thinking about it. Uh, after this happened, he died in a horrible auto accident. It's doing 90 plus miles an hour down Foothill Boulevard, the main drag where we lived. Lost control of his car, hit a telephone pole and died instantly while he was enjoying his life, his version of life, having fun, driving under the influence, and he died. I told Gary, I said, Gary, and I, t- I told him this, I said, following Jesus is the adventure of a lifetime. That's what it means to follow him. Let me say it again. I want to make sure you get this. God is not boring. And yet, there are people around us who think that he is because they look at you and me. Where would they get the idea that God is boring? And let me just suggest that it might be because they look at us and they go, I don't want to be like him or her because they just are boring and they don't have any fun and why would I want to live a life like that? And so some around us get this idea that God is boring. But what I like to remind people, if God is boring, then he would have made everything and everyone the same. Look around the room just for a moment. At least look to the left. Does that person look anything like you? Thank God they don't. No. We are all unique. We're wonderful. We're just, God's so creative, so amazing that he made us all in this vastly different world, creative world, different. And he gave us this uniqueness that's special. And he gave us a nose to smell, some of us more of a nose than others. He gave us these ears to hear sounds that are incredible. I was with my grandson yesterday. If, if I seem a little tired, it's because he wore me out. Caleb took me on an hour and 15-minute hike on the railroad tracks, and, and uh, we had a blast. But just hearing all the birds and the sounds, he, God gave us that ability to hear. And then how, about, you know, how many of you had a Krispy, Krispy Kreme donut this morning? Come on, you can own it. God gave us the ability to taste. Isn't that awesome? Can you imagine eating food if it was just for sustenance and we had no ability to enjoy it? Here's another bowl of oatmeal, you know, whatever, over and over and over again. But no, God didn't create us that way. He put us in a world, though this world is broken now because of sin, and the good news is someday it'll be made perfect again. There'll be a new heaven and new earth. God still put us in a, on a place that's glorious and sometimes beyond description. I want to show you some pictures. I took this first picture, um, I don't know, quite some time ago in one of my favorite places on the planet. Who can guess where that's at? It is Hawaii. Don't hate me. But that's Maui, and I took that shot, and that's just one. I kind of get a little crazy with sunsets. I got another picture I took one morning. Uh, out, that's the, looking at the back side of my house at the, the moon that was just sitting there bigger than life. God made this. And then I have one more. I, actually, a friend of mine took this picture, and it's, uh, it's up in the Cascades. He's a big backpacker, and I used to go with him. I've seen this spot, actually. It's gorgeous. Tell me you look at these pictures, and tell me God is boring. Boring is simply not in God's vocabulary. Mediocrity is something he never intended for us as Christ followers. Now, some of you are worried, so let me just clear up something. I can see the look on some of your faces. That doesn't mean God created us all to be adrenaline junkies like Matt King. (laughs) 
that's not, you know, that's not his intent. It's not that you have to jump out of a plane, though. That was awful fun, wasn't it, man? We did it together. We did it. We parachuted. We didn't just, yeah, we, anyhow, when I say jump out of a plane, I would be clear. You know, it's, it's not that you have to climb a mountain, though. I've, I've done that, and that's pretty cool as well. I'm not saying you have to experience those things to experience the adventure. But here's the question I want you to wrestle with a little bit today. And I told you this would be a, a challenging series, but a, a good, good nudging. What are you doing with your life that matters for eternity? Man, that's a question that I think is worth spending some time pondering. What am I doing with my life, God, that is worth eternity, that's, that's, that's going to matter in eternity? And here's another important question. How am I using the gift of time that God has given to me? You know, like time is a gift from God. Back in 2007, there was this movie came out called The Bucket List. How many of you saw that movie? Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. I like those guys. Yeah, a little crude at times, but here's a picture of them sitting on top of uh, the pyramids. And the story is, these two guys, um, they both had cancer. They're in a cancer ward. They become friends. Uh, Jack Nicholson is this billionaire with more money than he knows what to do with. Morgan Freeman is an intelligent guy, but he's a mechanic. They develop this friendship, and they come up with this idea, hey, let's, let's create a bucket list, and, you know, let's go, let's go have, f- have fun before we kick the bucket, so to speak. And when I watched that movie, I, I thought about it then. In fact, I just watched it again this last week. I thought, wow, you know, here's the reality. And again, I'm not trying to be sick. I'm just trying to be real. We all have an expiration date. You can quote me on that. We all have an expiration date. It's highly unlikely that anyone in this room is going to be alive 100 years from now. Now, isn't that an incredibly encouraging thought? Huh? Don't you just like get all warm and fuzzy? Wow, that's awesome. Thanks, Kurt, for that. I'm never coming back here again. No, I, I understand the struggle when we face uh, the reality of our own mortality. And I know because, boy, it's hit me more than once. Man, I have a lot less days ahead of me than, than, than I have behind me. That's just, again, another reality. But in Hebrews 9.27, it says this, that each person is destined to die once, which simply means we all have an appointment with death. Now, I'm not trying to be morbid, and I'm not trying to focus on death. This is not going to be a depressing talk or a depressing series. But if I can motivate you to live life on purpose, to live with intentionality, and to embrace each moment that you have from God as a gift from Him. I think we, we forget that it's every moment is a gift. Then that's, frankly, that's a win for me, and I think it's a win for you. Here's a little insight. Did you know that uh, every year of your life contains 31 million seconds? 31 million seconds every year of your life. No matter how old you are or how young you are, it's all the same. We all have the same amount of time, 31 million seconds, and every one of those are a gift from God. And every one of them matters to God, and it should matter to us. Moses wrote in Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Moses said, teach us, God, to, to understand that we, we, days are, on this planet are limited, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The great theologian and martial arts expert Bruce Lee once said this, if you love life, don't waste time, for time is what life is made of. Bet you never heard Bruce Lee quoted in church, have you? <laughs> it's good, though. If you don't love life, don't waste, if, if you love life, don't waste time, for time is what life is made of. To use time wisely and to live with purpose and intentionality, 
I think requires a few things, and I'm going to give you some to think. I want to get very practical here, some things that will help you. First thing you need to do is you need to see time as limited and precious. And if you leave here today aware of that, then for me, that's huge. That you need to understand, not in a fearful way. Again, I'm not trying to scare anybody. But in a, in a very real understanding, time is limited and precious. You know, when we're young, too many tend to waste too much time on things that really don't matter. And it's time that we can never get back. I've known way too many, and it happens to be most of them are young men, who have spent thousands, and if you think I'm looking at you and thinking about you, I'm not, but thousands of hours playing video games. And some of them, it's cost them more than just time. It's cost them jobs. It's cost them relationships. It's cost them their health. And and again, I look and I think, why would you waste thousands of hours on something that really doesn't matter? Now, I'm not against fun and relaxation. I feel like I have to qualify everything because I don't want you to get sidetracked by things. Wait, does does that mean it's evil to golf? No, Larry, golf your brains out. Go for it. It's It's not. It's okay. I'm not against fun and relaxation. But here's what I do want to suggest. I think we need to measure the wisdom of what we do by its positive or negative impact on our life and the lives of others. We have to look at the things that we involved in. What did you do yesterday? And we measure that by the positive impact. That's the kind of the qualifier. The positive impact it had on us, and that's okay, and on others, on the people around us. I've been um, at the deathbed of quite a few people over the years as a pastor. And I've never once, not one time, have I had somebody say to me, boy, I wish I'd have watched more TV. Never heard it. Man, if only I'd just spent more time with my Xbox. Nope, never heard that either. But I have heard people say, if only I'd spent more time with my kids or my grandkids or with my friends. I I think we need to just measure what we do by the simple question, is it good for us? Is it good for others? And there's a lie, you know? I mean, even, go back to, you know, what I just kind of beat up a little bit, even video games. There's a point where, hey, it's just relaxation. In fact, it might even be good, and high, and and high, and I, hand-eye coordination. It might might be good, but there's a point where you cross the line, and it's not good for you anymore. Paul wrote later in Ephesians 5, if you've got your Bible open, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. He says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time. Some translations say of the opportunity, but I like the word time there. Because the days are evil. Live as wise, not unwise, making the most of the gift that God has given to you of time. See time as priceless, precious as limited, and it'll change your perspective. And I want to suggest it'll change what you do with your time. The second thing you need to do to use time wisely and to live with uh, purpose and intentionality is believe that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Probably one of the things that I land on on a fairly regular basis around here, and some of you have been here for 11 years, and you've heard this a few times, is God's got a plan for you. I believe that. He's got a purpose and a plan. It's unique and it's special. The problem is, do you believe that? Are you looking? Are you seeking? Are you engaging in that plan? God has a plan and a purpose for you. And, but when we lose sight of the bigger picture or we forget that or we just don't believe that, 
then we miss that awesome thing that God has for us, and we end up wandering and wasting time. If you don't believe that God has something special for you, then you're just going to kind of wander through life, again, maybe on cruise control, maybe just whatever, without thinking about, God, what do you have for me today? My wife came home yesterday, and she'd been in a meeting most of the day, business thing. And she told me, and she said, before, on her way down, she said, she just prayed, God, show me why I'm here today. Show me what you want to do with me in this place today. And she actually had a connection with somebody that was a God moment. Do you think about, you know, well, well I'm, I'm a businessman. Great. Can God use you in your business? Absolutely. In fact, that's exactly what he wants to do. Are you going into your day, though, thinking, God, today's a gift from you. There's that precious time. And today, I believe you've got a purpose for me. What's your plan, your purpose for me? You see, if you don't believe that you matter, then you won't live like you do. Let me say that again. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you don't believe that you matter, then you won't live like you do. Again, in the letter of Ephesians, Ephesians 2.10, Paul wrote this, for we... And let me just, again, make it clear. We includes thee. We is us. We is you. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. We're his work of art. We're his poem. We're his, his Michelangelo. We're his Picasso. God created you. You are God's work. And he has prepared in advance. Well, before you ever took your first breath, he had a plan for your life. This means God is at work in your life, and what he has prepared for you is good. God has a plan. Now, will we all be poets like Maya Angelou? No. Will we all be great scientists who discover things that change the course of history? No. Will we all become household names and recognized by people out on the street? No, probably not. But will you be all that God has destined you to be? And will you become all that he's destined you to become and do all that he has destined you to accomplish? You're thinking, I know some of you. Well, I'm just a mom. Please don't ever say that. Just a mom? Wow. What an incredible purpose God has given you to invest in the lives of children. I'm just a dad. Oh, no. Your image, the the father image that that they have of you is going to affect the father image they have of God forever. Well, I'm I'm just a mechanic. No, I'm just a... Don't ever go there with I'm just a... What you need to see is that God has a plan. He has a purpose for you right where you're at. And he created you the way you are. You know, when I stand before heaven, God in heaven someday... God is not going to compare me to other people, and he's not going to compare you to other people. I mean, can you imagine? You show up in heaven, and God says, well, Boobna's here. Michael, give me the B list. All right, Bono, Bush, Baldwin, ah, Boobna. Is it Boobna or Bubna? No, it's Boobna. Not that God would be confused, but, you know, and he's not going to compare my life to all those other people. You know what God's going to do? He's going to look at me, and he's going to say, did you say yes to me more than you said no? Did you do what I destined you to do? Did you fulfill the purpose that I gave in you? And the hope, hopefully the answer is, well, more often than not, God, I said yes to you. More often than not, the answer would be, yes, I did. And then I want to hear those words from the Father. Well, well done, our good and faithful servant. 
He's not going to compare you to anybody else. And they go, well, I've got issues. I've got stuff. I, you don't know my history. I, doesn't, that's God, God does. That's not the point. God's going to look at your life, and he's going to compare you to one thing, his purpose for you. Did you say yes to him more than you said no? God's got a purpose and a plan for you. We'll land on this again in this series because I just want you to know the live the epic life, the, the life that's way beyond the common has to, has to, will happen and has to come when you believe that God has something special for you. Well, here's the last thing I want to highlight today that you must do to live with purpose and intentionality. You need to decide. You can decide to take more risk and live with more faith. And all of you can decide that, by the way. You've got to decide to take more risk and to live with more faith. One of my pastors years ago used to define faith this way. He said, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is spelled risk. And it's so true. Discovery involves risk. Adventure involves risk. Stepping out of our comfort zone almost always involves a measure of risk. When we venture into the unknown, it can be risky. See, this is the rub. This is the challenge for us is because we don't think that that's faith. We think that's foolish. And I'm not suggesting you do something foolish. Faith is not synonymous with foolish, being a fool. But I am suggesting that faith almost always involves a measure of risk. If Laura and I had not decided to take the risk and to step out in faith and start this church 11 years ago, I'd still be on staff at Life Center and doing fine. I love that church, love that job. But we thought, well, let's, okay, God, you want us to do this? We'll, we'll give it a shot. If we've not decided to, to, to have more kids after we almost lost our second child, Nathan, that was a horrible experience. And I tell you, everything in me says, I'm done. Never going through this again. But if we had decided not to take more risks, then we wouldn't have had the, the second two children that we had that are such a gift to us. If I'd never taken the risk of writing, I wrote an article about 15 years ago on a whim and submitted it to a magazine and thoroughly expected to get rejected, didn't, got published. And at that time, I remember, it's 15 years ago, thinking, wow, maybe I, maybe I could be a writer. Maybe there is something in me that, that, that God's put that I can do this. But if I had not taken that initial risk, I never would have taken the risk a year and a half ago to write a book that got published with Tyndale. I never would have taken that risk. I'm using myself not as saying, hey, follow me. I'm saying, follow Jesus, who is the ultimate risk taker, who took great leaps of faith in his trust in God. Trust me, I could go on and on about a lot of stories, both biblical and personal. And I could also tell you stories where I didn't take a risk, where I said, no, thank you, God. And those are some of my biggest regrets. I want you to take the risk, the trust in him. Hebrews chapter 11, we don't have time to get into this morning, but I want you to uh, maybe take a look at it later this week. It's known as the great faith chapter in the New Testament. And it chronicles these men and women that had heroic faith in God. Uh, uh, People like Abraham and Sarah, by the way, who risked it all, left their homeland, uh, trusted God, went to a place that he eventually showed them. You know, they're old, and God says, I'm going to give you children. All these things that happen. In fact, Sarah and Abraham, by the way, are a good example of if you ain't, you know, dead yet, you're not too old for, for God to use. But all these people mentioned in Hebrews 11, they share this in common. Every one of them, they took a risk and they trusted in God. 
It's the great faith chapter, but what's common there is that every one of them, one of the women mentioned in the story is Rahab. And that's a great story. It's in Joshua, I think chapter, chapter 5 or 6. But it's a story of Rahab who was a prostitute in Jericho, and she took this risk and how God honored her. In fact, she ends up in the lineage of Jesus himself. Why? Because she took a risk to trust in God. As you read the latter part of Hebrews 11, you'll find that there are also people mentioned there who suffered a great deal, who uh, lost a great deal. And I, I'm going to get into this a little bit more in this series, but I want you to hear this. I need to be honest with you. Uh, living the uncommon life, living a life of adventure is not always an easy life. To live with purpose and intentionality is not always easy. In fact, it will often involve hardship and trials. You think of them, why in blazes would I want to go there? Because, listen, because you'll never regret living an obedient life of faith or taking a risk to follow Jesus. You'll never regret it. Will it be easy? No. Will it always be fun? No. Will there be times that will just eat your your lunch and destroy your guts and make you feel like, man, why did I ever say yes to God? Why did I do this? Yes, there'll be times where you'll, you'll wrestle through those moments. But I promise you this, you will never look back at those moments where you've obeyed, where you followed him. You'll never look back at those moments with, with regret. 31 million seconds. That's what God's given to every one of us over the course of every year. Today, if I did my math right, it's about 86,000 some seconds you have today. What are you going to do with yours? Will you say yes to God? Will you live the adventure and the purpose that he's destined you for? I hope so. Bow your heads. Let me pray for you. Father, I I know that um, the Bible is filled with example after example of men and women who took the risk to follow you, who took the, the step to say yes to you. And I know that's not always easy. I know sometimes it's really hard to do that. But Jesus, I know that following you means anything but common, boring, an, an existence that's just mediocre. That's not what you've called us to. And so today, I, I do pray that you would provoke us in the most holy of ways, that you would inspire us in the most Uh, powerful of ways to say yes to you, to follow you, to live the life. As we begin this series, God, and we'll take a look at things like fear, and we'll take a look at, uh, you know, building margin in our lives, all those other things, God, but it starts right here. If we're not willing to step out of our rut and into the adventure, God, then we're never going to go anywhere without understanding that's the first step. And so help us today to say yes, to take the risk of saying yes to you. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a moment if you would. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your walk as a Christ follower, your life following Jesus as a disciple. What does that mean? Well, it means you say yes to him, that you embrace what Jesus did for you on the cross. It means becoming a Christian simply means I'm surrendering my life as he surrendered his life for me. And I'm saying yes and and giving my all to him. That's where the adventure begins, by the way. That's where faith begins. And if you're here today and you think, well, it's time. It's time for me to say yes to God. And and I want that gift of grace, that gift of mercy, gift of forgiveness. I need that. I want it. I'm ready. Or maybe you've been far from God for a while, but years ago you said yes to him. 
you gave your life, you were a Christian to follow him, and yet you've wandered off as a prodigal son or daughter. Today, today, you can say yes. And instantly, in that moment you say yes to him, that moment you surrender to him, the Bible says he embraces you. He makes you his son, his daughter. He brings you home. If that's you and you want that today, would you just make this simple prayer yours right now? Father, forgive me. I have sinned. I have failed. I have gone my own way. And today, I want to I begin my journey as a, as a follower of Jesus. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy in my life. I need your help. And so I do. In this moment, right here, right now, I surrender everything I am to you because you've surrendered everything you did for me. You gave it all up for me. Thank you for loving me. Today, I begin my journey of love with you. If that's you in your own heart, you say, yep, God, that's me. The Bible says the moment you say yes to him, that's the beginning. Lord, for those making that decision now, to surrender their life, to become Christ's followers. Show them what that means. Show them that it's the beginning of an incredible journey that will take them from here into eternity. But for all of us today, God, every one of us, I pray that we would leave here more committed today to saying yes to you and living the adventure of following Jesus. And I pray that in your name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to finish with one last song of worship. We, uh, as a tradition, we give at this part. We, the buckets are going to come. If you've got the communication card, you can drop that in. If you're a guest, please don't feel obligated to give. This is your church home. Give to support what God's doing. But as we give, the most important thing you can do is give as an act of worship. Offer your hearts as an act of worship. Use your mouth as an act of worship. Let's sing the song as a declaration. And I'll come back and wrap it up. Hey, thanks so much for coming today. Um, Some of you, you're thinking about the risk you need to take. And and I, I hope you are pondering, well, what does that look like, Lord, for me to step out in faith? I want to suggest that maybe you need to sign up for the worship team auditions. And you're thinking, well, I don't know. Yeah. Just sign up. It'll be fun, I promise. It's this Thursday. You can go back to that table and sign up. Same thing. Well, you know, I don't know. I've, I, I thought maybe I should help them work with kids, but kids scare me. Sign up in Adventureland. You know, you'll have a blast. So there are a whole many, many ways, a whole lot of ways that you guys can step out to give your life away. That's what I encourage you to do. Today, if you begin your life as Christ's follower, tell somebody. Let them know. Come tell me. We want to pray with you and stand with you. Uh, on the tables, by each of the doors, there's a packet that says for new believers. We've got a Bible and some material to get you starting your walk with Jesus. Pick one of those up. Communion's available on both sides of the room if you'd like today. Prayer team will be down front. My prayer for you this week is that you'll go and make every moment count. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming.